Breaks him down to his knees. 
sound awesome this morning. All right, you may be seated this morning. I want to pass out some Bibles real quick before I have the kids come up. Wes Williams, come on up here, sir. Wes was baptized last week at the river. New Bible and your baptismal certificate. Congratulations. You're welcome. Cody, come on up here, Cody. Kendall, you can make your way up here too, Kendall. Cody, new Bible on behalf of the church. Baptismal certificate. Congratulations. Kendall, same thing for you, young man. Congratulations. Nick. Congratulations, buddy. Proud of you, you bet. All right, so today is Family Sunday. Today's Family Sunday. I need all of the kids to come up here. Family Sunday is a special time for our church. Family Sunday, the kids stay in our service with us. And, uh, yeah, we got to, well, you guys are going to figure out what we're doing here in a minute. But our kids stay in service with us, and... We take communion, and they kind of see how they don't go to children's church today. They kind of see how church is supposed to, uh, how, we, how we do worship our Lord, right? It's good to teach them up. Okay, so I, I'm doing an object lesson today, kids. I need two volunteers. Okay, need two of you right in the middle here. I need one of you to stand right here like this, okay? All right, I need another one. Come here, sweetheart. I need you to stand. Scoot over here just a little bit. There you go. I need you to stand just like that. There you go. Okay. All right. Here's the passage of Scripture, one of them that I'm going to be preaching out of today. It's in Matthew chapter 7. And it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So Jesus is telling us that we have to beware of being tricked. By something that appears to be somebody that's a follower of Christ that really isn't. So here is my illustration for today. You guys know what these are? Turkeys. What turkey what? Decoy. You're not supposed to answer, Ace. Okay. I know you think you're a kid. All right, stand right here and turn it towards them. There you go. Those are turkey decoys. And what do they look like? Turkeys, right? Okay. Hunter over here is... Going to sit right here on the edge, and he's going to put his, see, he's got all of his gear on. Well, not all of it, but he's got a turkey hunting vest on. He's got his camouflage jacket, and he's going to put his hat on this and cover his face. And now what is Hunter going to look like over there? Go ahead, put it on. No, he's gonna, no, he looks like something. Now sit down. He looks like a bush, right? But is that, actually, is that a real bush? All right, this is what happens, guys. When you get tricked, okay? All right, go ahead, Hunter. <laughs> By the way, I'm the turkey. <laughs> boom! You're supposed to say boom, right? Okay. <laughs> So what happens is when you go out is you put some decoys up and you got this big turkey that thinks that he's coming to more turkeys, right? And he doesn't see that Hunter's the bush over there and that's how you get dinner, right? You get tricked. The whole thing, 
Thank you. You done holding the turkey? Okay, thank you. You want to keep holding it? Okay, you can keep holding it. So the whole thing is, right, it's a trick. You're tricking the turkey to think that he's walking up to more turkeys, and then he ends up for dinner, right? It ends up in death for him, right? So here's, how, here's the context of false teachers. We have to be very much on guard to know when someone's teaching us about Jesus, that they're teaching us the right Jesus, according to the Bible. Because if you follow somebody that's Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible, what happens? It ends up in death. Okay? So here's the important thing that we know. So there's some tests that I'm going to cover today during the sermon there's a couple of tests that they give in John. Thank you very much, sweetheart. There's, there's a couple of tests that they cover in the book of John of how you can know whether somebody's speaking the truth of not, or not about Jesus. And that's what I want to cover today. So here's what I want you to do, kiddos. During the sermon today, instead of maybe crawling underneath the chairs or whatever, you can do that if you have to. It's okay. But listen for what those tests are, Okay. And parents, ask them after church what the tests are, according to John, the book of John, 1 John, about how we can know whether we're following the true, somebody's preaching the true Jesus or not, or sharing with you the truth, okay? Because we don't, what we don't want to do is end up like that turkey, okay? Everybody understand? You got any questions? Ask your parents to take you turkey hunting too sometime. It's fun. You always go? I can t- oh, we can all go on a family outing one day. There won't be a turkey within five miles of us if we take all these kids. But that's okay. That's okay. All right, let me pray for you, and I thank you guys for coming up here. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for our children of this church. And, uh, Lord, I-, I pray that we-, we guard them, that we protect them, that we share with them the truth, that they follow the truth, that we're teaching them the truth about what your word says about who you are. And that they aren't led astray, Lord, like so many in the world uh, that follow into what the world says about you and not what the Bible says about you. And so, uh, Lord, I, I pray for them. I'm thankful for our kids this morning. In all things, we love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Hunter, you made a great bush over there, son. Good job. All right. Thank you, kids. All right. So, speaking of kids... We have Vacation Bible School coming up really, 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 really quick. So if you would like to help, please see Sierra. Background check. We got one position still remaining open. Please see Sierra. That's at the very end of this month, June 27th through the 30th, 6 o'clock each night. What time do they eat at 6? Eat dinner. We'll have have dinner every night uh, those days for the kids. So come, parents. Parents can stay up here during VBS and visit with one another and get to know one another better. I try to keep my schedule free that week. I'll be here every night, but if you want to visit with me, maybe about baptism or church membership or whatever it might be, I try to keep my schedule open that week. So come. I want to get to know you better, and uh, we can visit and all that. Uh, Tonight, there is not going to be any Bible study. Uh, The guys are going to be gone, so... They will have discipleship at 4.30, so discipleship at 4.30 uh, tonight. 
Also, Wednesday nights, we have classes at 6.45. We serve dinner on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. Uh, we have cooking teams that do that, so please come eat dinner with us on Wednesday nights. Uh, and then stay for classes. We have kids' classes, young adults, uh, the whole nine yards. Saturday, June 18th, we have men's prayer breakfast at Grillo's. Uh, so, fellas, meet us for breakfast. We pray with one another. We pray for needs in the church. Also, if you're a visitor, I think we have several visitors with us this morning. Inside uh, the backs of the seats are visitor cards. There's a prayer request card and there's a visitor card. If, if you have a prayer request, write it on the back. If you're visiting with us this morning, please fill that out so I can get a hold of you and maybe try to sit down and visit with you about our church and, and what we're involved with. Also, uh, 4th of July outreach. The 4th of July outreach. Let me or Mike know if you want to help with the 4th of July outreach. We set up a booth on the square. We, we share the gospel. We pass out information about Freeway, about the church. Uh, if you want to help with that, it's a good time. We have a really good time uh, with one another that day. This afternoon, young adults, college class, not ACE. Sorry, ACE. You can come if you want to, Ace. I'm just picking on you. Young adult college class, we're meeting at Dustin and Rachel Curley's house this afternoon at 3 o'clock, from 3 to 6. So uh, come, we'll, we'll get the address out there. We can text you the address if you need the address. That's this afternoon. Got a whole bunch of ladies stuff coming up. We have a ladies craft night that is going to be Monday, June 13th. The cost is $25.00. Please give the money to Pat Cap. She's in the back there. You want to raise your hand? Yep, back there in the back. Give her the money um, and, and get that by June 8th. So by this week, the church will provide sandwiches for that. So that is Monday, June 13th. Women's coffee at Prickly Cactus, Monday at 8.30. They're also going to a conference this fall. It's called the Women of Joy Conference. It's uh, September 30th through October 2nd. There's an early bird special. It's $99 plus the hotel. Here's the sign-up sheet. We'll pass that around. And they've started a new women's Wednesday night Bible study on the book of Esther. So um, that's on Wednesday nights in the side classroom. We have a big uh, Wednesday night study up here also included. And then the kids and youth also have classes So uh, for Wednesday nights. Here's the sign-up sheet. Uh, I'm not going to start it with a row of guys, okay? So, Tammy, I'm going to start it uh, with you. Okay, anything else on announcements that I forgot? The outreach went good yesterday. Outreach went good. We had an outreach yesterday in Springfield. Yes, Mike. Why am I forgetting that? Kids fishing tournament is what day again? June 25th. At what time? 9 to 2. At the ranch. So we've got, they've got prizes for that. Last year, it's a great time. They did it last year. The guys cook food, so I have it on here. I'll start announcing it every week. Saturday, June 25th from 9 to 2. Busy month. Yes, sir. <laughs> you are not included. Not you. We do not do identifying as kids, Stacy. I'm sorry. Uh, anybody else? Yes, Jeannie. Oh, yeah, the bricks. Thank you. That needs to be filled out. We got, what, two weeks? So the brick, you see it over here. There's a brick over here. It's for the Choices Pregnancy Center. Uh, it, it, the Walk for Life this year is the brick. And so you can fill out the paperwork with Jeannie. They're out there in the hallway if you would like to have your name on next to our church brick. Uh, you can do that. All the proceeds go to the Choices Pregnancy Center on their new building. So see Jeannie about that. Yes. 
Yeah, bracelets for Harrison. We've got Harrison uh, for, for prayer bracelets for Harrison. See Tammy on these uh, or, free, or the freeway guys. All that money's going to the family. Anything else? Yes. Next Wednesday, the youth are going to putt-putt golf that evening. They'll meet here at the church at 6. Be back by 8, 8.30. 8, okay, perfect. Anything else? Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up our morning offering to pray, and then we'll have our, our worship uh, song before we jump into the, the message today. So bow with me as we bless our morning offering. Lord Jesus, again, we thank you, uh, Lord, for the time that we could be here uh, with you today. And, and Lord, as we in our time of worship, we part of that is giving back. And, and, and Lord, you've blessed us immensely. Lord, so uh, use this, this, uh, the finances this morning to further your kingdom, to share the gospel all around, Lord. And in all things, we glorify you, we worship you. Lord, we thank you this morning that we're able to give. And uh, I, I pray for our congregation this morning. Uh, and Lord, we just love you. In your name I pray, amen. amen. A year of wars of love that's come There's a shadow that's for you And a friend who understands Everything you're going through Shadow of your shame. There's a light of hope that's shining. Won't you come and take your
Be seated. Thank you for bearing with me this morning. Thanks for killing the mic, Ricky. Come on, Ricky. What? Everyone turn around and say, Come on, Ricky. All right, thank you guys. <laughs> Peer pressure works sometimes, right? Avoid peer pressure, kids. It's Family Sunday. 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. So like I said, today's Family Sunday. Um, I love Family Sunday. We take communion with one another at the end of the service. Our kids stay in with us. And, and here, let me say this. Uh, we have children's church the other weeks. If you want your kids to stay in service every week, that's great. If your child is hollering and screaming during church, you may want to be respectful of the people around you, but it's not going to bother me, okay? 1 John 4, 1 through 6. The heading above this chapter says, test the spirits, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, 1 John 4, 1 through 6 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, again, we come to you, uh, Lord, humbly this morning. And I pray, Lord, for no distractions today from, from me or anything that... Uh, could, could be happening in, in, with me or in my words this morning that would um, hinder your word being preached. So I, I pray for that this morning. I pray uh, that we'll be attentive, that we'll consider this as there are so many false teachings. And you warn us numerous times in scripture about truth and what's false. And so Lord, uh, today as we talk about that, let us be on guard, let us be wise, have discernment, and always test things by your word, Lord, and what your word says. And so God, we love you today. I thank you in your name I pray. Amen. So as we jump back into 1 John today, um, which is important, I think we preach through books. That's very, very important. John has continued this theme, which is a constant theme. He repeats things a lot in the book of John. Uh, and, and why does he do that? Because it's important. It's important. And he wants to stress. The Lord wants to stress to us to be on, on, on guard for these things. And so the church should absolutely be on guard for false teaching, for false teachers. And any, any worldview that doesn't profess Jesus as Lord is a false one, right off the bat. From a worldview to, from a, to a religion uh, to anything that doesn't believe that Jesus is Lord is a false one. Any teacher 
that doesn't profess the Jesus of this Bible as Lord, as Messiah, is a false one. Why do we say Messiah there? Because one of the things he says, and we'll get to it, is that Jesus had come in the flesh. That's important. So today in our text, John is facing a worldview that, is, uh, that, that had many diverse spirits and many di- diverse teachings that were at work in the world. There were many false teachings, many uh, false religions, many mystery religions, spiritual experiences that were going on, uh, and, and, very, and many variations of Christianity uh, were starting to emerge at that time. His, what he was experiencing, the atmosphere was almost identical to what we have today, even in our country or around the world. It's pretty much the same. Uh, people entertain countless views regarding about what the truth is. So we have to be on guard. You have to personally, and here's the other thing too, with the age of the internet, just anything is accessible with a moment's notice. Any preaching, any teaching. So we have to be spiritually on guard for false teaching and must be able to recognize when somebody is teaching something that is not truth. And so we start off here in this text, and like I tried to, the verse I quoted the kids, the first thing is, there's a whole lot of false teaching. There are a whole bunch of false teachers out there. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So Jesus is warning the crowd at the Sermon on the Mount. He's warning us that there are false teachers. And those false teachers will look like brothers and sisters in Christ, but are really wolves. They're really wolves that are trying to tear you apart. That's why this morning, and I was kind of struggling this week on like, man, wow, how am I going to relate this to the kids? Because I want them to understand and relate. And it kind of just popped in my mind last night, turkey hunting. Because we look like something that we're not. So we spend all this money to make make ourselves look like bushes. And we spend this money and put these fancy decoys out to fool them. Because they think we're the real thing. They think it's the truth because it looks like the truth. And then they end up on the dinner table, right? Well, that's exactly what Jesus is warning about here. They come as sheep. They look like sheep. They look like your brothers and sisters in Christ. But really, they're wolves. They'll devour you. And listen, Satan and demons... They want to come and deceive with a gospel that appears like the truth. They don't come, I've said this before in going through this book, they don't come with a gospel that's completely out there. They come very, very close to the truth and it will almost look the same. And, and scripture tells us that. Turn to 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4. We're going to read 1 through 4 and then 13 through 15. One through 4 and then 13 through 15. It says, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to the one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. 
For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. So he's warning them there. Watch out for people that come and proclaim another Jesus, or even another gospel, another good news, another way of being saved. And then verses 13 through 15, jump down there with me real quick. It says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, for their end will correspond with their deeds. So what, what's happening here? He's warning them that, we're, that they're surrounded by false teachers, by false gospels. And, and how does that infiltrate the church? How has that infiltrated the American church? Well, here's, here's, I was, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, well, how, how, can the false, how can a false message infiltrate the church? Well, most churches today have become very, very soft. Soft on teaching and preaching about sin, about death, about hell. Why? Why? Because a lot of times, I'm, I'm just to be honest with you guys, I appreciate this congregation. Because I know that I can be rough at times. But, I, you know, hey, here, listen, I just want to say what Scripture says. And I think there's a lot of churches that wouldn't have me. If I went to visit their church and preach one sermon, they wouldn't have me come back. Or if our elders went and, and tried to be in leadership at their church, there's no way that they would have that. Why? Scripture tells us, 2 Timothy 4.3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So they'll get people to tell them what they want to hear about their sin. And that is happening, church, all over the country. They're changing God's word to fit into how they want to live their life. Instead of them fitting their life into what God's word says. They just want to change God's word. And then and what they don't want is they don't want... The God of the Bible, they don't want the Jesus of the Bible that would condemn their greed. They don't want the Jesus of the Bible to condemn adultery. They, want the, they don't want the Jesus that would say, you shall have no other gods before me. They want a Jesus that says, ah, just, it's real easy going, right? What Jesus, that, listen, that wasn't the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible in Matthew 16 says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in return for his soul? Jesus said, you got to be willing to give up everything for me. To pick up your cross daily and follow me. To die to yourself to live for me. Listen, people don't want that Jesus. That's how it's a false Jesus. That's how you get decoys set up that end in death. They don't want that Jesus. They don't want the Jesus that says die to yourself to live for me. 
Oh, we can't, we can't have a Jesus like that. You know, you, know how I, you know how I know that they don't want that Jesus? Because people don't want to even die to themselves on a Sunday morning to worship the Lord. That's just the truth. So you know what happens? This is what happens. They hire a nice, soft, spoken preacher that we want to make sure you just marry our kids and bury us, bury grandma and grandpa when they die and, co- and come to our church. We have this nice, soft-spoken preacher who's just so sweet and kind. Uh, right? But, and, and I say, listen, I want to say, you know what will happen to 99% of the preachers in our country that would preach a message calling out sin? They'll go for their head. They'll be gone. They'll be out. Now, how, we say, how, how do you know that, Jeff? How do you know that? Well, because it happened to the greatest man who ever lived besides our Lord. Jesus said there's been no man greater than him, and it happened to him. You say, well, who's he talking about? Some of you know. Let's read it. Matthew 14. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. It's a lot of verses. We're going to flip over a couple of chapters here, but it's important that you understand this because this is relevant today. Matthew 14, 1 through 12. It says, At the time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. This is why these miracle, miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him, bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to her, It is not lawful for you to have her. Hmm. So John's preaching a message that you shouldn't be committing adultery, King Herod? Because he didn't go to the king and bow down and, and, oh, you do what you want because you're King Herod. Because John called out the king's sin, she got madder than a wet hen about it and had him thrown in prison. Instead of repenting at the message that was preached, she got mad, right? All right, so... And though, he wanted to put, and though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. You know what that is? What was that? That's lust. She came out and did a little dance and Herod said, oh, I really like her. So that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. That's a marriage proposal. Prompted by her mother, she said, give him the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oath and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sinned and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now let's go back real quick and look at the message that John the Baptist preached. He would call out sin. Matthew 3, 1 through 12. 12 more verses. I know it's a lot of scripture, but let's just let's get through it. It's important. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. 
You know what John does there? He doesn't care what people think of what he looks like or what he eats. He's not concerned about what the world views of him. That's what that tells us. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, that die, every tree therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That is not a soft-spoken preacher. That is somebody who says, flee from the wrath to come because how you're living your life. He preached the truth. That's a truth. Listen, if you hear a gospel that is not the truth, that you have to turn, acknowledge your sin before God, and confess the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. We have that all around our country. In the form of a bunch of cowards that won't preach about sin and death and that the only way to be saved is through Jesus. Why? Because we got to be politically correct. Because we would worry about what somebody would do to us. I tell you, I'm being dead serious here. If one day I stop preaching the truth, send me down the road. Beware of false teachers. All right, here's things. Here's the second thing. Here's what I told the kids. They give us a test here. In, in 1 John, it gives us a test. It says, test the spirits, okay? Test the teacher. So testing the teacher, you're going to be able to discern if they're teaching truth. Either he's teaching the truth of Jesus Christ as for, is from God, or they're teaching a false gospel, and Scripture calls it a doctrine of demons, so 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So you're either getting correct teaching about who Jesus is and the God of the Bible, or you're getting teachings of demons. There's no middle ground. You're either for Jesus or you're against him. There's no gray area there. Now, now, so back in our text in 1 John, it gives us a couple of tests that we can use. The first one is, what is the doctrine or theology about who Jesus is? Does the person acknowledge that Jesus is fully God and fully human, has come in the flesh? Now, why would that be important? Why would that be important? Because if Jesus wasn't fully human, then he can't be your high priest, and he couldn't be a perfect sacrifice if he wasn't fully God. So that's, a, that's an important test. If, they, if the answer is yes, that they acknowledge that, and they preach that, they teach that, then you know it's true. So Gnosticism was very prevalent it taught, in, in John's time. And it taught that Jesus only appeared to have a human body, but was not actually flesh and blood. What would be an example of that? Buddhism would be an example of that today. That knowledge... That you can become enlightened, that knowledge will save you, that it would save you. You can learn enough, you can become enlightened enough, you can, you can be your own God. 
Second test. So the theology. So knowing doctrine about who Jesus is is important. Is important. Because if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody and I say, well, just believe in who Jesus is. All you got to do is believe in Jesus. Well, believe what? Believe what? Well, believe in who Jesus is. Well, who is Jesus? Well, I mean, I don't know. He's just Jesus. You need to know. Theology is important. Doctrine is important about who Jesus is. Second thing, it, t- it says it in 1 John it is. Second thing, in verse 3, Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. So, so what does that mean? Anyone who doesn't profess the Jesus of the Bible is inspired by the spirit of the Antichrist. The, the Jesus of this book Not the Jesus that you've made up in your mind that's okay with how you want to live your life. Not the Jesus of another book. The Jesus of the Bible. It's important that you get the right one. So people will say all the time that Jesus wasn't from God. Well, remember Satan's goal is to confuse people about who the real Jesus is. That's why it's important while we know what this book says. That we have the right Jesus. Because if I ask them, do you believe in Jesus? That doesn't cut it. That doesn't cut it. That's not evangelism. Because we may not even be talking about the same Jesus. Matthew 10, 16 says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We have to be on guard. We have to be on guard. We have to be ready for this. I want to go back real quick, though, to 1 Timothy 4. One through four. I want to go back there real quick. First Timothy one, four through four. And look at that. Look at what he says. Look, look what they say. What the, what the false teaching is. In verse three. Well, let's just read the whole thing. Now the Spirit expressly says, In latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars who consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and required abstinence from foods that God's created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So what was the false teaching there? It tells us what the false teaching there was. It's, it's, the false teaching was that in order to be justified or to be made right you had, or to be saved, in other words, to be saved, you had to not be married and only eat certain foods. So you can't be married, and you better abstain from eating certain kinds of foods. What is that? It's works. you got to do certain things in order to be made right in God's eyes. you got to keep a, a, a law. And the law was don't marry, don't be married. So they would say, you can't, can't be married if you want to be a follower of Christ, of Jesus, and you can't eat certain foods. That would be old Levitical Jewish law. And so they said you couldn't do those things. Well, here's the issue. That's putting yourself in the equation. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. For you that were here Wednesday night, we covered this, right? I told you I was giving some of my sermon notes away Wednesday night. Here they are. Here's what Galatians chapter 5 says. And I'm almost done. I'm getting there. 5, 1 through 6. It says, verse 1, Galatians 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I wonder what they're talking about. 
Freedom. Freedom in Christ. What's the yoke of slavery? He tells us, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. All right, what's he saying there? What's the yoke of slavery in verse 1? It's to obey the law to be made right. It's to do something in order to be made right. Which, in, Paul says to Timothy, is a doctrine of demons. It's a doctrine of demons. That you have to do something. Well, guys, that's the number one false teaching in the world. That you have to do something. That you have to be good enough to be saved. Listen, this is important. I can't be good enough. You can't be good enough. That's why we need Jesus. If I could be good enough, if I could do enough and do something in order to save myself, then Jesus is pointless. Then just do it, right? Paul says you can't. So if you try to trust in yourself for salvation, and you can insert whatever little thing in there you want to. Well, if I try to trust that I have to read my Bible every day, to be a Christian, or I have to go to church and every week to be made right in God's eyes, whatever it is, then Christ is of no use to you. You're severed from him. So, man, that's slavery. That's slavery. I, I shared these verses Wednesday night. What does Jesus say when he opens the Sermon on the Mount? He teaches something called the Beatitudes. That's how he opens the Sermon on the Mount. What does he say? They're, they're really misunderstood most of the time. I want to explain a couple of them to you real quick. Because they tie into this. It's in Matthew 5, 3 through 4. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is being poor in spirit? Being poor in spirit is you're broken because of your sin. And there's nothing that you can do to save yourself. When you are poor in spirit, it means you're broken. And that's what the next one says. Blessed are those who mourn, for there should be comforted. We use that verse and we throw that out there when someone's passed away in our family and we say, well, you're mourning, you're going to be comforted. That's not what he was talking about. I mean, I, I believe that if you're a follower of Christ, you are going to find comfort when one of your family members passes away. But that's not what this verse is talking about. This is talking about you mourning over your sin. Your spiritual condition, what is that? That's humbling yourself before God. When you humble yourself before God and you say, I am nothing. I can't do this on my own, Lord. I need you as my Lord and my Savior. You're mourning, you're poor in spirit, and then you're saved. That's how salvation happens. It's not by trusting in ourselves. It's not by trusting in ourselves. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, false teachers won't tell you that. You know what false teachers will say? You got to be a good person and send me a big check. And then I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And then you'll be good. I say, be broken for your sin. Throw yourself at the mercy of Christ. You know what? Because I'm just as broken as you are. Here's the third thing, last thing. When you're in Christ now, you have the Holy Spirit. 
Go back to our, go back to our, our, our text in 1 John. Go back to 1 John here. 1 John chapter 4, verses uh, 4 through 6. Let's read it. It says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By, we know, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What he's saying there is when you're in Christ, you follow correct teaching. When you're in Christ, you follow the God of this Bible. When someone is in Christ, they are going to be a part of his family. They're one of his children. They're not going to be led astray. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, I've told you guys this before, but the number one group of converts to Mormonism comes from the SBC. It's because many people will say, well, I'm Baptist. I'm Baptist. Well, I don't care whether you're Baptist or not. Tell me what you believe about Jesus. I don't care whether you say you're Lutheran or Methodist. Tell me what you believe. Now, does that mean that those people lost their salvation? No, they're never saved. That's how you know the spirit of truth and spirit of error. You read this book. Listen, don't believe everything that comes out of my mouth. Don't. Test it. Test it against God's word. Do I make mistakes? Yes. Do you make mistakes? Yes. Does this ever make a mistake? No. That's the inerrancy of scripture. It's without error. I can, and that's why I pray before I preach. Lord, please don't let me mess this up. Let it be you and not me. Have I still messed things up before? Yes, I have. And I probably will again. Right? And when I do, I will t- say that. So what else is this saying, though? So someone that practices Buddhism can't be in heaven. They're not in heaven. They're lost. They're lost. This blows up universal salvation. The Bible says Jesus is the only way. Only through biblical Christianity can someone be saved. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say, by me, who I'm Jesus, and then if there's another Jesus, you can get there through him, or there's another Jesus. No, he says, by me. By me. By me. Now listen, I I get it. I get it. The world hates that message. I get it. I get it. That's not a politically correct message. And we don't live in a politically correct world. But I'm not a politically correct preacher. And we're not a politically correct church. And you know what? We shouldn't worry about being one. We should worry about being a biblical church that just teaches this and nothing else. And then you know what? What God's going to do? You know what he says? Hey, don't worry. Because greater is in you than he who is in the world. That means, guess what? We have victory. We have victory. I want to close with this. It matters what you believe. It matters what you believe. If I ask you this morning, tell me about when you've professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you tell me, well, I mean, I was baptized at five years old at church camp, I'm going to say, that's not what I ask you. Tell me about when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, I was raised, my granddad, I hear this so much. I pray that my grandkids 
I want my kids to teach their kids to never say this. You understand? I'm talking to my kids right now. I never want my grandkids to say, my grandpa was a Baptist preacher. I don't ever want to hear that. I want my grandkids to say, my grandpa was a mess. An absolute mess, but, and, he, and he aggravated people, but he had fun, but he loved the Lord Jesus, and he taught us to. That's what matters. That's what matters. It matters what we believe. It matters what you believe. If you have never professed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, why not do that today? Why not believe on the Lord Jesus today? You can do that. You don't need me to do that. You have to be broken because of your sin. You have to be poor in spirit. You have to be mourning because of your condition. When you're broken and you realize you need a Savior, you turn to the Savior. You need, if you need Christ, you can do that. You can have the Lord Jesus. If people walk away and they never hear the truth, you know they aren't followers of Christ. This is not... Listen, this is not an inclusive message. I get it. I get it. It's just not. Because this Bible is not inclusive. When he says, I'm the only way, it's the only way. It's the only way. So today, here's what we're going to do. We must, as a body, be committed to teaching the truth. To be bold in speaking that truth. Regardless if we have lawsuits lined up from the ACLU or Facebook shuts down the live feed or whatever else, we just have to stand on what the truth is. Be responsible for what we're responsible for in our households. To support people for our offices that will stand on the truth. We have to do that as a church and be bold in that. Here's what we're about ready to happen. We're about ready to take communion. I always give this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come this morning. I always give this warning, guys, before we take communion. It's important. It's important that families relay this to their children. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That is why many of you have weak, are weak and ill, and some have died. So here's the deal. We're about to take communion. If you have not professed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, don't take communion. You may get really sick or you may die. That's what scripture says. If you have sin in your life that you, but brothers and sisters, you haven't confessed to God, that you haven't repented of, you can do that right now during the invitation. You don't need me to pray for you. You can do that in your seat. If you want to come today and pray, you can do that. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you need to talk to me about baptism or salvation, you can do that. We're going to have an invitation. Get your hearts right before God before we take of the Lord's Supper together, remembering his death, burial, and resurrection, and looking back to his coming. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you again today for your word. I thank you for the time I got spent studying this passage, and it was challenging, and it's a reminder um, to not worry about what anyone says, just to focus on what your word says and to speak the truth and to be bold in it. And so, Lord, I pray for our congregation. I pray for this church this morning. If there's somebody here that needs you, I pray today that today's the day they're saved. I pray for my brothers and sisters in here that may have hidden sin in their life that they haven't confessed to you. 
that they don't move forward with communion without confessing that sin to you, restoring that relationship. God, I love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen. Even when I don't feel that you're working 
never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you elders and deacons if they would come uh, this morning. Uh, here's the thing. We have what we call open communion here. You don't have to be a member of this church to take communion with us. Just that you have professed Jesus Christ, publicly professed Jesus Christ as your uh, personal Lord and Savior. And so if you've done that, we, we, uh, we, we let you, um, want you to take communion with us this morning. So uh, I want to read the passage of scripture to you and then we'll pass this out this morning. Uh, it says in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus and his disciples were celebrating Passover. Uh, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink it, all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So this is extremely important that we remember today why we're doing this. We're doing this because we're remembering his sacrifice for us on the cross. That he gave his body and his blood as payment for our sin. And you need to make that personal this morning as we're taking this. Think about what he did for you. That he took your sins. All the things you've done in your life. You broke God's law and he paid for them. And it's also a time where we can look forward, church, to his return. Because we know that one day he's going to come back for his children. And so that, that should uh, excite us that we look forward to that day that we can spend all eternity uh, in heaven with our Lord. So we're going to pass this out. I'm going to ask Mike uh, before we do that if you would bless uh, the bread this morning. Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, uh, for this morning and for this opportunity, Lord, just to uh, remember uh, what it was that you did for us on the cross, Lord. So let us take communion uh, this morning with that in thought. And we just love you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 This morning, we just uh, ask you to, to, to spend time thanking the Lord uh, for what He did for you. He is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending the knee, weight of His wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me 
jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath The weight of his wind and mercy When all of a sudden I'm unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections have for me Oh, how he loves, yeah, he loves us Oh, how he loves us I don't think there's any greater honor uh, as an elder or a deacon in getting to serve your brothers and sisters a communion. That's one that I tell you we don't take lightly. Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you. Take ye and eat. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. I'm going to ask Alan Greenfield if he would bless the cup, please. Jesus said, this is the blood of the covenant, poured out for many, take ye and drink. When they, uh, when they finished doing that, we were talking about his death for us. It says they went out rejoicing, and we should go out rejoicing today also, because without his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we're dead in our sins. And there's no reason to rejoice. So today, I ask you to stand. We went out joyously singing together as we sing, Ace Will Lead Us. Amazing grace, how sweet 
missed.